songs unleashed. G'day ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Axons Unleashed. I'm here with one of my favourite humans in the world, <laughs> you probably won't like me saying that, um, Pete Liston, you're a bloody good mate of mine, we've known each other for many years, I can't wait to tell that story, you're a bloody Top Gun veteran entrepreneur, this is one not to be listed, ladies and gentlemen, Pete, welcome to Axons Unleashed. Mate, thanks, um, great to have you on, I'm looking forward to saying g'day, yeah, it's been probably coming up near 20 years, mate. Yes, indeed. Not far off. <laughs> Uh, there's plenty of stories to tell in that, Jane. Mate, there is for sure, for sure. Yeah, so we, you know, we're going to talk about um, you know enlisting in the military, what your time was like in the military, transitioning from the military, what it's like to become a veteran, and now I can't wait to sort of spend the last twenty minutes or so, Pete. You know, enlightening everyone. You know, you and I can draw off about business and what it's like to run a business. And if you're a guy or girl serving right now, or even if you're a veteran that's recently started your own business and you're sort of stumbling your way through what it's like to be your own boss and grow a business and scale and bring on employees and whatever else and systems and processes and the like. Um, what Listen to this. Watch it on watch it on um, YouTube. You can watch it on Spotify now, Daniel. That's, is that right? Because interestingly, Pete, your business is called Trust the Process. Yeah? Mate, trust the Process. It's really a practice what we preach thing, but I guess one of the things that we really believe is, um, you know, business owners – we too often get caught up in the space of the business all being about us. Really, we want systems and process to run our business and the business owners run the system. It affects, effectively, you know, there's a big difference between having a job where you're your own boss and you're probably not a good boss. Uh, that can be called a small business versus having something that is really independent of you that you could potentially you know, travel the world for three or six months and the business actually does better when you're not there. Yeah, very true. Um, as many of you know, I worked in another business when I first transitioned, and I, so I was an employee, and there's no doubt about it, when he wasn't there, the place hummed better. You know, when the boss is, when the boss is not there, everyone was just sort of head down, bum up when they didn't feel like they were being watched. So now I'm that guy. Um, you know, I have no doubt about it that people love Daniel. You can probably, <laughs> he's nodding his head, ladies and gents, that when I'm not here, people are happier as well. So it's, it's, an, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, so I, I can't wait to get into that, mate. You've got so many layers to your story and you've got so many great successes. You've run, you run a very successful, um, Facebook group, you know, you've been nominated, you were the, you were the inaugural winner of the Prime Minister's Veterans Business Awards, I understand. So, you know, ladies and gents, we've got a fucking superstar with us here today and I can't wait to see, you know, you telling your story, Pete, and obviously you and I got a really close relationship as well. Tell us, mate, this is quickly, and I ask this for everybody, where'd, where'd you grow up and why, why'd you join? Take us back to the start. Yeah, mate, I grew up in a, a town called Katoomba in the Blue Mountains, probably you know, a couple of hours west of yeah. Sydney, a really beautiful place. Mm. Um, but like a lot of Australian small towns, uh, for me, <clears throat> my life was always going to be outside of that that small place. Um, I actually tried to join Duntroon when I was about 17. But if anyone knows Katoomba, probably similar to places like you know, Byron Bay, I was living a little bit more of an alternate lifestyle at that time, which probably didn't align with the military <laughs> ethic too much. So, And I made the choice at that time know, because of other choices I was making not to join the military. Um, so I ended up going and studying horticulture and I spent 10 years basically as a, you know, I just did every job in the world, man. Like I've done everything from like 
pushing trolleys, working in nursing homes, um, you know, builders labouring, parks and gardens. I've travelled Australia fruit picking and backpacking and living in caravans. I was just basically one of these normal Aussie kids who grew up in a small town um, with nothing really too much going on. They just did anything. Um, but where I ended up getting to the military, I was uh, travelling through Australia in a caravan just doing fruit picking and just random work. And I ended up in Townsville and I was supporting um, another bloke up there, Lloyd Moody, who is a veteran guy who owns Jim's Mine franchise. And I was just wow. helping him run his franchise. And I was always, in every job that I had, I was always like the ideas guy, but it was never, it was never my business, to be honest. And whilst I was up there, there was a mate of mine um, who was a 2RAR at the time. And he was one of the mates from Katoomba growing up with. And I went and visited him, and I think I was probably 28 at the time, so a little bit later. And when I just went to his flat in Townsville, just looking at his kit and just him telling his stories, I was just like, man, time to join up. So I literally just went down to recruiting in whatever street it is here in Townsville and signed up. That's a great story. I, was, mate, you, I didn't realise, and I love it when I ask this of, of our podcast guests because Blokes don't normally ask these questions when we the very small, very opportune moments that we've had over the years be to catch up with each other. I don't sit down and go, "So why'd you join the military?" But now I love hearing a story. I'm learning things about you as we as we go. And yeah, I grew up in a pretty small small town as well, and and you know virtually couldn't wait to get out of there. But I joined straight out of school. But you went and had ten years worth of life experience. You know, I mean, it would have been so good for you to sort of join the military as a, I, I I didn't recall you being older than everyone else down at Duntroon because as as, we're, as I just disclosed that's where we're about to tell everyone that we that we first met but certainly you would have fa- did you find basic training in the transition that goes into Duntroon easier because you're a bit older than what some of the other younger cadets were experiencing perhaps I, I think it was definitely a balance so I joined up um just rocked up and they were like, oh, you know, you could probably do officer training if you like. And I was like, yes, yeah, sweet. Went down that path, did all of the, you know, the basic testing. They're like, hey, head to Duntroon if you like. Um, I needed six months. I needed to push my class back six months, primarily because I had to like finish my job up there and then lug my caravan from Townsville to Canberra. And I literally parked my caravan in the in the front yard of my married quarter in Duntroon until I ended up selling it. Um, but then I turned up at Duntroon and yeah, I didn't get there till I was 30 and I had my 31st birthday on my first field trip. So definitely most of the crew down there were, you know, primarily male 18 to 23. Yeah. I was definitely behind the game a little bit, um, like physically, I even though like some, some of those were just fit as mate. And mm-hmm. I, you know, was never, you know, I'd probably put myself in the 30th percentile, like off, off the bottom but definitely not out the front with some of the guns in my class. Yeah. Um, but really, for from the other side, but having some life experience, you know, I found Duntroon quite easy in some ways. Uh, I guess more, not necessarily Duntroon, but when it got into the first unit, uh, being able to deal with soldiers as someone who was a little bit more, um, had a bit more life experience, yeah. particularly with my NCOs, got a bit more, I guess, cred from them. Yeah, no doubt. Um, tell me, mate, I don't think I've asked you this before as well. What year were you there? Were you, I was there six, seven, and eight. Was this like two thousand seven when you first joined? 
Yeah, six, seven. So I think yeah. July class six got out of there in seven. Yeah. And I was lucky enough as a Ramey officer to march into three hour hours, my first posting. Awesome. After that, and pretty well straight to Timor after that. Yeah, fantastic. What's your first recollection of me, mate? Because that's, that's how you and I crossed paths. Was I was down there as your instructor. Yeah, so it was what it means, second class. Um, I'm pretty sure you were the leadership package master down there. And for us, it was all about um, it was all about Shaggy Ridge. So um, heading away, you know, Guns and Buns Turner was was the nickname. But I remember you always <laughs> are like a very how can, how can you put it like vivacious character, like you know, you know, a bit of a larger than life, you know, with the, with the green beret strutting around and a couple of gongs in his chest. It, it doesn't take too much to impress a cadet. Um, you know, like you got, you got one Coke bottle gong on. You know, as an instructor, you probably got, you know, you're looking good. So, yeah, fair enough. I think it was the first experience. It was good to actually have people, particularly at that time around 06, where Iraq was in full swing. Afghanistan was in one of the first pulses. But you were starting to get people through the college with a bit of bit of credit and a bit of experience. Mm. And I, I imagine by the time people went through in 12 to 15, you know, like every instructor would have had some yep some significant experience i just come back from sotg1 in 2005 so yeah when i lobbed down there in 2006 so i was like fresh fresh back off the boat per se back off the plane um mate i loved it down there it was, it was such a, an honor and a privilege to be able to pass on some of some of my life's experience as well as you know as an ex-senior nco changeover the most important relationship that a young a young, young lieutenant has is that with his or her senior NCO and I was like I, I felt as if I was better provide you guys a few insights into what was actually going to come your way um, and then yeah three hour hour mate what a what a fantastic unit um, when I was a when I was a bombardier back in a field battery we were jumping with them back in the day so I have an affiliation with old faithful myself um, yeah. so mate, yeah what was what was life life in the unit as a as a young but more worldly and more mature subby um, the big thing I remember so two experiences when I first marched into the unit. One of them was um, a guy called Giles Cornelia, who will end up being chief of army one day, or, or highly competitive at it. Like, yeah. And I remember there was there was three subbies. There was me, um, name drop, um, you know, me, Sam, and Luke. And Luke, remember, we're just about to go. We were supposed to meet the adjutant like at eight o'clock or something, and it's like five to eight. And Sam's not ready yet. He hasn't got his shirt done or something <laughs> like that. Now it's one minute to eight, like very first day. And we're like, we're allowed to swear. Of course, mate. Mate, I was just like, we're just like, fucking hell, man. Like, what's going on here? Like, we've got to be there right now. It sounds like, just get up there and buy me a few minutes. So we, we rocked up to the adjutant's office, literally first day, first moment in the unit. He calls us in, we sit down and he's like, there's only two of you. And we're like, yeah, uh, yeah. So Sam will just be like another couple of minutes. He's right. He's like, gentlemen, we hunt in packs. Go out and come back when he gets when he's ready. Nice. That was our first moment. I was like, you know, and Giles is someone that I've got immense respect for. I'm sure he must be like a colonel or maybe brigadier, something like that now. Yeah. Um, the other one too was a guy called Wade Stothart, who was my first CEO, and he's a two star at the moment now. Wade said something to me that has stuck with me like for the rest of my life, particularly in business. And that is like, Pete, all you need to, to be highly successful here is just be brilliant at the basics. Agreed. Um, just be brilliant at the basics. And that for me is we come into whatever role it is in life. You normally don't have to do something spectacular or new. Just do the little things really, really well. And that's the, you know, that's been the foundation for 
every success, every success I've had is that bit of guidance. Yeah, love that. Yeah, mate, it's a it's a creed which goes um, very wide throughout throughout the military. Just focus on the basics. Don't none of this bloody flary stuff because you'll you know you'll get you'll get the speed wobbles and you'll sort of diverge away from what what's re- really important. What's one of the highlights of your career that you can rem- that you can remember? And, and just before, and how many years did you end up doing? Uh, Eleven. Okay. Um, First in. Yeah, so I guess the um, the I had a bit of a different career because um, I say this a bit sheepishly and a bit like cheekily, but I never left Sydney. So I did two years at Holsworthy. Then I snagged a job in at Headquarters 17 Brigade at Randwick. And I literally spent the rest of my career living in the married patch at South Coogee um, so for, good. You know, for six, seven years beyond that. Um, I did do a, a had a different career because outside of three hour, hour my the rest of my career was in headquarters, um, and I guess that was a point like being a little bit more mature. I very quickly understood where my career was, the limitations, my strengths and weaknesses, and I also had a little bit more sway in potentially because I was doing okay in my job, but get about getting the postings I wanted. Um, the highlight of my career was absolutely the camaraderie and the um, the life with spending with the, with the other officers at three. Um, of a deployment to Timor, deployment to Afghanistan, anyone who had the who has the opportunity to either deploy in any team um, overseas, um, you know, I was lucky enough to command a small team to help the transition between two battle groups. That has to be the highlight for sure. You now, just being able to be a very very small cog and be a fly on the wall in, a, yep. in something that's really important doing doing things for real absolutely yeah, yeah. So. we've got this little that's saying in, in axon that you know when we're when we're sitting down with a client and we're coaching and we're strategizing and we're finding properties for them and building the properties and, and you know the rest of it that's not what this podcast is about but i say to our clients when i first meet them when you do things on exercise, and we've all got, we're all guilty of it, Pete. You do things at 70, 80, 90 percent. You're doing it, and you're doing it to exercise yourself and practice and rehearse what it would like to be doing it for real. And of course, then when you go on, when you go on, on on operations, and things have consequences for not going right, but you practice all those things that you've done, and you know, you have got to be switched on when you're doing it on, on operations. Axons on operations every day. We're not rehearsing. We're not playing. We're not just having, you know, we're not just playing with someone's financial future. We're looking at it for real. So I sort of use, use that analogy of, of uh, what you just spoke about there in, in business today. Yeah, it's really, look, the Army was the best job um, that I've ever had in my life. And I've had so many different ones. I can't even remember them all. But there just came a point for me where, um, you know, again, being the, always being the ideas guy, but never having the vessel to express those ideas. It just sooner or later the entrepreneurial itch um, needed to be scrapped. Yeah, tell me. So what what were you doing? So you were in. I didn't know you lived the whole time in Sydney and around. We like eastern suburbs boy through and through. Really, even like bloody um, Katoomba through to eastern suburbs, mate. Which is great, and I'm happy for you, dude. I never got one of those postings. I was sort of um, doing some other bits and pieces, but. Um, when did you have a serious tingle in the back of the neck that says, shit, I think my time in this organisation, best job I've ever had in my life is coming to an end? Yeah. It was definitely in Afghanistan um, when, you know, a couple of weeks before leaving, it's just like, what am I going to do next? I made the choice not to go down. I was actually, because by this age I'm now 35, you now single at the time, What what's, what's in it for my life, you know, in terms of partnerships, families, that kind of stuff. 
And I really got to the point where it was army and the military is all consuming. And, you know, I am very sheepish when I say I live spent my whole career in Coogee, basically. It's not like, man, that is such a rare experience. Everyone else gets dragged around the country, here, there, everywhere. I just wasn't prepared to make that sacrifice for the sake of what I saw at the time as fleeting glory. Um, for me, I sort of realised that, you know, and I say this, Army is the best job I've ever had, but everyone will get disappointed by the military sooner or later, whether you're mm. chief of Army, they're like, mate, your time's up. Mm. Or whether you're an LT or whether you're, you're a corporal or something, sooner or later, um, even if it's retirement, they're like, your time's up, mate, you got to go. And I just took control of that a, a little bit earlier, well, after 11 years. Yeah, I love and that approach. Yep. yep. I took control of my own destiny. The machine, the machine that we've all grown up to love and serve no longer yeah, becomes yeah. part of what our sort of future holds. Um, that's really, really insightful, mate. I love that. And I've got a couple of, couple of good mates of mine right now that are at that brigadier stage and they've just been tapped on the shoulder and say, hey, hey team, this is, uh, it's not up or out for you. It's just take a step to the right, please, and away you go. You know, and they're now trying to find bloody, you know, they've been in for the 30 odd years and they're trying to find their, their life and their purpose and their identity when, when they're out. So, um, good on you for taking control of that, mate. It's, it's something uh, It's something very rare. Most of the people we speak to on this show have had some sort of separation from the military that they weren't in control of through a range of different reasons. So it's really great to hear that you force was able to, you had that foresight and you sort of um, you know grabbed the horse by the reins there. I was also really lucky and, and my experience as an officer, I was able to really push the boundaries of policy you know, flexible workplace arrangements, um, you know, part-time leave without pay, you know, keeping your long service, you know, at half pay to drag out how long you're living in the mid-merry quarter and that kind of stuff. I really don't know whether, and I hope it is, but I feel that, you know, for those in the ranks, um, whatever service they're in, that are looking to separate, really try and take advantage of these policies where you can. I, I don't think you'll have as much luck as me I don't think a digger in three-hour hour is going to be able to say, oh, hey, boss, I'm going 50%. Mm. You know, flexible workplace arrangement this year. And by the way, I probably won't make that bush trip to Capion Warrior <laughs> as well. It, I sit here with a wry smile on my face because um, I'm all for applying the rules to benefit you, especially when it's a big government machine. Yeah. But as a business owners now, and as this business owner who's had other people depart recently – that have squeezed every entitlement and every dollar out of a very small family-run business, it's fucked, quite frankly. That mindset yeah. is not in the right place. So it's uh, it's a real different – It's a, I have a full different sort of perspective on it. Well, I do hope that the um, for those that are that in the ranks uh, or anyone, no matter where you're serving, is that you have a successful transition and a planned transition, mm. even if it's a little bit forced through medical or administrative or whatever, it doesn't matter – but still take control of what you can within that separation process to set you up for success. Amazing, mate. Um, how was your – I can only assume based on what you just said then your, your transition was re reasonably smooth and then, you know, no one ever leaves an organisation if they don't have something to go to. What, what, yeah. was, what was the immediate thing on your horizon? We started a business called um, Secure Windows and then so me and one of my Duntering classmates, uh, a, good a good friend and colleague of mine called Matt Mosley um, – We've worked together um, since that moment forward. We were really lucky. Driving home down 
uh, Anzac Parade in Sydney. I was listening to the radio and I heard this article that said, um, hey, the government's just passed a law to say that every, every apartment building in the state needs a window lock. And as I was driving through, you know, Paddington and Ramwick, I was like, there's a fucking lot of windows in Sydney. (laughs) It's full of them. Yeah, millions. So Maddie and I ended up starting a business putting window locks on buildings, and we did hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them. Um, We we went from, you know, zero to multi-seven-figure revenue business in about 18 months. The team went from zero to 30, and that was the business we won the uh, Prime Minister's Veteran Award for veteran employers because we just um the our first key hire was um uh i think eight nine hour hour or six hour hour infantry corporal bloke called ryan hall um and he just came in and gripped our team up mate he was so good we got as many other veterans jobs as we could but having this infantry corporal to run um our operations team we wouldn't have been successful without him he was just switched so good to hear that's one of the best things someone said on this podcast man that well done yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. What what was that like? What was that was your first? So just so, just so I'm linking it up, probably did that driving down Anzac Avenue and hearing that ad on the radio. Had you separated by then? No, I'd well and truly hadn't separated. I just banked it. I literally went home that night and started buying a few domain names like Secure. I was thinking, what's a good business? I was like, Secure Windows. Yeah, like so. I bought a couple of domain names. I actually started uh, tried to start another business with. Another classmate of mine um, called Simply Beautiful Flowers because being a former flower grower in my life, I thought that I could sell flowers in Eastern Sydney, but that was a spectacular failure. Mm. Um, Trying to purchase, trying to sell a product which is refrigerated with a very short shelf life without refrigerators. Um, (laughs) So I'd go out to the flower markets at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, buy all the flowers bring them back, start bunching them up in my little back back room. Then I'd go to work at 17 Brigade, do the day's work. Then I'd come back and try and sell the flowers to shops and that in the evening. Um, <clears throat> just a terrible idea, to be honest. <laughs> Mate, again, you're coming up with some awesome bloody truth bombs here. Like, I, I love your, your, your vulnerability and your transparency. But you, you heard also, this another, ad. Another yeah. flop of a business. Another flop of a business, and I've probably got it here on my shelf. For those not watching on YouTube, he's just walked off and go and grab something. Come back, mate. Okay, here we go. Beret? Yes. I manufactured berets with another guy. Oh, Jesus. Did you? Um, I went to Christie's one day uh, and tried to buy a beret. This is back when, remember then, um, so chief, whatever chief of army it was said no more berets, and then another chief of army said berets are back. <laughs> Um, so, uh, me and another mate, I, I went into Christie's and I was like, can I buy a beret? And they're like, oh, it's a six month wait for a beret. And I was like, six months, how does that work? And I'm like, I've got to start doing berets. Um, so me and another guy started Hudson berets. It's pretty old than that now. Gold. Um, again, terrible idea. We, all the colors, when, when, when these hundreds of berets arrived in boxes from Pakistan, they're all of one <laughs> color and it didn't work. Another flop. But that is one of the originals. So, and I wore it and it's, uh, it's bashed pretty nicely. Love That's it. It does look very good. Mate, you've got to have some flops and you've got to have some things that don't go well in your life. Otherwise, how do we fill up our experience, yeah. our bucket? You know, how, how do we build depth and resilience in, it, in our life? It can't just be all smooth sailing, mate. Failure is really important in business. Um, mm. Having a crack is really important, but there's some other things that we can learn so we don't have to fail. 
Um, we can chat about that um, a bit later if you want, like Lots how to do minimum viable products, how to really not do what I did in those two examples and spend a lot of money and then learn. But there's ways that you can spend a little bit of money and yeah. learn fast. What was When did you know that this um, window lock business had some had some runs in it? Um, I mean, the, vo- the volume was there. You said there's millions of windows in Sydney, but like you had to go out and you had to – um, market yourself. You had to uh, buy all the product. You had an inventory. You need to have an Im- implementation plan, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Tell us about that. We started the business, um, me and Matt and Matt's housemate, um, and we just—he was a sales guy, so we just got him on to start selling and start getting in touch with. So it's the strata committees and the strata managers that had the keys to the building. So imagine I'm looking at uh, your window out the back there. There's a yep. big tower there. We yep. were like putting, so every single one of those towers would be strata run if it's not a hotel. Mm-hmm. So there's the committee runs them. So we just started getting lots and lots of work. Um, and then it just really snowballed to the point where we had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of work racked up, but no team to install them. So we had this big sort of point of complexity then in terms of, how do we get new installers and train them up? And then the, the amount of cereals in the business was crazy. Like at, at its peak, we had probably, you know, 30 installers um, at maybe 20 different building sites. Each of those building sites must have had between, you know, 10 and 100 apartments in them. So there was like literally probably 1,000 or 1,500 cereals every day of getting into one apartment, into the next apartment, into the next apartment. So it was it was complex, but again, um, I'm a big believer of, you know, our military acumen is directly applicable to our business acumen in, in a lot of spaces and some real simple ops planning and that, that sort of systems thinking is just nailed it, nailed it. I was just about to say, when you when it was you and Matt, I know Matt, he's a bloody another champion bloke, and Matt's um, flatmate, when you sat down, it would have been like an O group. Military yeah. appreciation pr- process and go right. But what are the what are the vulnerabilities? Where do we need to go? What are the services? What are the gaps? What's the timeline? It has served me incredibly well, and I now do that exactly for our clients. Our clients does, don't even go near purchasing a property until we've mapped out effectively the sync matrix or the or the timeline. So I'm really glad to hear, mate, that a lot of the things that the military taught us it does transition in the business. All of that is exactly applicable. Now, like if you're um, whether you're a corporal or whatever equivalent rank going into an ops cell or an intelligence cell and just solving a problem or whether you're an officer or whatever, it is just the same thing. It's just problem solving. What's the team I've got and what's the best way to nut the problem? Yeah. Yeah. Mate, that's, yeah, you've just, you've just basically listed the fic, haven't you? Fundamental inputs, the capability, like what's, what's all the, all the, all the things I need. What was it like um, when you and Matt sort of, I just want to talk about maybe what, what, it, what it, did you feel like you're an entrepreneur? Did it feel like a business owner? Did it feel like you were, or you were you just that caught up or decisively engaged in bloody trying to get through the the gaps that you had? Um, did you did you have a chance to sit sit back and reflect? To be honest, um, it was very challenging for me to like to, man. If you call yourself an entrepreneur, you generally feel like a, a wanker saying that word. Mm. Now, like it was really hard for me. Like I just, because it really, small business person is the same word. Okay. It's just, it's so whether you use that term entrepreneur or just small business Business person. Business owner, yeah. It's a business, just a business owner. And what it's about is just simply someone who wants to have a crack, take control and give it a go. 
Um, so it was interesting because secure windows was fine, but in our next evolution of business, um, which is trust the process, which is more of a consultancy, it still took time to build worthiness within myself. And I, and I think a lot of people struggle with this, you know, from a pricing perspective. Now, what is, you need to do some time in rank with it, with your business to say, look, I am actually good at this. And then as you get better at it, your prices go up. The way that you position yourself within the industry or your business or within your competitors starts to lift. And yeah, this, I did battle with this sort of sense of worthiness about who I am, who I was and my identity. Yeah, it's it literally, it, it's called in the industry, Pete, you would agree, imposter syndrome, isn't it, mate? Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Um, and But it's funny, you're sort of your, levels, your levels of success, it just sort of tears up. And by that, I mean, when you do your first 100,000 or do your first sale in business, you're like, oh, wow, how cool is this? And then you sort of cross that first $100,000 threshold and then, and then you make your first million dollars in business. And you're just really at that point now, um, it's, oh, how can I describe it? It's almost like winning a medal. Like they, it means so much to you before you get it. Mm, true. Like, oh, man, I've got these gongs now, like this kind of thing. But after a while, it's when the sort of dust settles, They, it just becomes a little, it's just like, oh, it's just a bit more so what now? And because you realise that you're still fundamentally, fundamentally the same person, whether you got medals or you don't have medals whether you're doing $100,000 in business or $5 million a year in business. In the in the essence about who you are yourself and how you're contributing on this journey going through life. Mate, for, for me, a thousand percent agree with what you just said. When you do crack the code and you've got the ability to have a business which is quite buoyant and you've got a business structure and processes and people and employees bring value into the business that you're not directly related to, it's a little bit like when you buy your first property, when the tenant starts paying the mortgage and you're not paying for it anymore. That's a great feeling. When you have a business model that is bringing in revenue that's not directly related to the exchange of your time, it's an amazing feeling. Yeah. And what's but, funny now is yeah. when you, come, you come through this sort of worthiness phase where you think, okay, am I, am I a great business owner or what, what are we doing here? And you sort of you fumble along with that, particularly for those that are in consulting. Um, but then you get to a point where, you sit and embrace it and you're like, you know, I am really good at this. Um, but funny enough in my business now, I'm actually, the business has, ab- has absolutely grown beyond my capability and skill. And I am now very distinctly the weak point in our business, which, which is funny. Like I am the the point that is holding things back. Whereas, so in, in the relationship between Matt and I, there's there's some really good books out there called Rocket Fuel and, and others. I know them well. Yeah, which talk about um, visionaries and implementers. Now, I am the butterfly chasing ideas guy that finally has this vessel to express in business. But I am really, really lucky because I've got a business partner, uh, Matt, who's someone, because we're classmates and, um, and good mates, there is an intimate sense of like trust. Like when it comes to money and all of that stuff or hours work, we don't even, there is no, no doubt about the trust from that perspective. However, I would not be in business without Matt because without him as the doer, without him as the executioner in terms of that runs task and get things done, like all my ideas would just float away because I've, I really struggle to, I really struggle personally to execute. And this is a really interesting dynamic. Like 
my first um, person who, one of my biggest regrets in business was losing a friendship with a classmate out of Duntroom. Um, so we went into that uh, flowers business together and unfortunately it didn't work out. And it still hurts me today mm. to think that we lost a friendship because we didn't get it right. Oh, so um, the business tore your friendship down. Like what happened did. inside the commercial re- uh, reality of that entity affected your personal relationship. Absolutely. And we haven't basically spoken since. Holy like, shit. Re- yeah. That's, so that's something that I always sort of hold with a bit of regret. Um, so, so it's a very, be very careful with business and partnerships. Mm. So whereas from with Matt on the other perspective, it's a match made in heaven because it's, it was just, we, we were both a little bit more of mature and evolved and it was part of my immaturity, you know, and lack of vision in the first business that, that created that relationship. So going to business with friends and family, you know, like it can be very dangerous, but you get the right mix. It's such a leverage point. So, well, that, that's, me, that, that's rocket fuel, isn't it? That's what it says in the book. When you've got yeah. two competing priorities and there's that little bit of natural friction as I rub my hands together, that creates the friction, which is the rocket fuel, which is allows the business to then, you know, blast off. And in hindsight, the friendships and the personal relationships are so much more important in the business. And these things can be managed through, uh, to be honest, through being a little bit more realistic in the business model before you start. Because of our inexperience, we just thought the business was going to be successful because the world according you know, to me and this other bloke and our you know, mums, partners and girlfriends, everyone was like, yeah, it's a great idea. But the market didn't think so. The market said it was a shit idea. Mm. So being a lot more realistic on that beforehand and doing that testing would have saved that that relationship. So coming into, and again, learning is everything. Coming into this next model with Matt, we really knew that up front um, and, and it's worked out you know, to the exact opposite. Yeah, again, perspective is everything, mate. Like, as everyone knows, I got the opportunity to work with another firm when I first got out of the military. And whilst me and that gentleman are part of ways and we don't talk anymore either, I still I still dedicate an element of gratitude and thankfulness to the, to that opportunity that he gave me every day because without him and without that, this would not exist. Yeah. But it's, it's almost like I got to see what it was like for him as his right-hand person running a business which and you know, ultimately, didn't succeed to where I thought it was needed to be, and then that was my that was my exit uh, stage right point. Um, but you've got to have that experience. Like it's very one of the one of the observations I make, ladies and gents. And Pete's run a number of businesses now, and he's cracked the code. I'm in my second business, and I've you know we've worked my ass off to make sure that we've cracked the code as well. Um, but generally, your first venture in business is what I'm picking up. Pete will not be that successful. No, Generally, look, um, <laughs> it's interesting because I don't think too many people come out of the military into business. I did, but that's because again, I was able to leverage policy and transition out over about two and a half years. So I actually left the military getting more money from the business than when I was in. Um, a lot of people will go out and get a job first, just like yourself, and then and then find that transition path later. Because again, there is an element of financial risk to starting your business up, and there's definitely going to be a lag between kicking it off and getting uh, life-sustaining revenue. Now, it's one thing, you know, I see a couple of significant thresholds in business. Making your first 20K is tough, you know, but if you can make 20K, you can make 100K. Um, and if you can make 100K, which is six figures, you can do seven figures. And then for, if you can do seven, you can do eight. Um, but it's all just a matter of scalability. Mm-hmm. And again, um, so our model um, is systemize, automate, 
delegate. Number one, create good process. Number two, find the right tech platform to express your process. And then number three, find the best people to empower your process and your platforms. So it's all about processes, people, and platforms. Now, the only other one that we can add from the military perspective in front of that is planning. Mm. So plan first, then build process, then find the right platforms and empower your people. And that, that is the code for me on, so for example, in six weeks, I'll go to on about a six week trip of um, Europe and the, and the business will grow better when I'm out the way because um, my business now is too big for my expertise. So a farmer who joined the military, um, who started a business that's now getting, you know, doing quite well, I need to, it, it's better for me to now go pay someone else 100, 150 grand a year, whatever, to do my job because I'm not good at my job. I need a professional to do my job. And for me, I'm moving myself into this beautiful new role called product development, <laughs> um, which as a business owner means I can just go back to thinking about cool ideas again. Yeah, mate. So then that's and as the as the business owner slash entrepreneur, that's that's your that's the highest and best use of your time once you've built the systems and businesses processes underneath you. My little mantra, Pete, to go off what you just mentioned. Then I'm I'm, I'm listening with you going. We are so in tune. People and processes defeat chaos a volume and chaos yeah if you got the right processes and the right people having done the planning and using the right platform which is for me in my mind part of part of processes no matter what chaos comes your way and no matter what volume you've got you can scale and test and adjust and you should be able to defeat whatever's you know staring you in the face it's interesting you mentioned chaos there because i do remember at a time with secure windows where I almost uh, physically and mentally broke down under the sheer weight of the workload. And I was just, everything was going wrong. You know, like I was on site installing window locks. I was um, booking the team in for the next day and we're doing ordering and that kind of stuff. And I remember driving home after a really, really terrible day where I just butchered a heap of stuff at work and, you know, just really had a terrible day. And I remember driving home at nine o'clock at night and then realizing I hadn't got the window locks to the to the guys for their jobs the next morning. And I was just like, God, you know, like this is, it's just too much. Mm. But that was just, that was me doing everything. So, and Matt really challenged me at this point. He's just like, you have to do as little as possible. He's, he's like, why are you doing this? He's like, build a process for it and then just delegate it. Like, get someone else to do it. I couldn't let go. Um, you know, and even now I've got good ideas at different parts of the business. But because in our role, Matt's the CEO of the business and I work in a subordinate level to him, like owners had a side mm. in my role in the business, there's no ego. So I play my role and if I've got an idea, I put it to Matt and then Matt runs it through the standard uh, chain of command. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that, so, mate. You know, isn't it, um, Daniel, our executive producer, you must be loved listening here. We're talking about chains of command. We're talking about processes. We're talking about chaos and hierarchy. Like, you know, this is this is true veterans talking about business, isn't it? You know, it's so, so similar, mate. Let's talk, just unpack chaos a little bit. Mm. Chaos is always, it sounds a bit um, basic, but chaos is lack of control. Correct. So control in business and control in, not necessarily just running a business, but even if you're leading a team as an employee in business, there's, for me, one way you get control. Control equals consistency plus visibility. Consistency means process 
capture excellence and repeat. Can I find the best way to do something? Can I find the simplest way to do something? Like there's the old quote, you know, any idiot can make something complex. It takes a genius to make something simple. simple. Mm. So how do I do as least as possible, but as much as I have to when you're building process out? Do as little as you can, but only the things that are needed. That's consistency. Then after you deliver consistency from it, if you can now get visibility using tech, using reporting, that's how you gain control. And this is all military ops 101. Yeah, so good, mate. Um, tell us about your Facebook group that you sort of manage there of just bringing other veteran business owners together and the like, that real community that you started building, mate. So after we won the, uh, the Veteran Employers Award, Great shindig down at Parliament House. Go, what, what was that? Uh, ScoMo was the Prime Minister then? Yes, ScoMo. Oh, no, it was Malcolm Turnbull at the time. Right. Um, you must be yeah, on the way out. Yes, just yeah, before the, the transition. The scallops in the foyer at Parliament House. <laughs> I will never know, mate. <laughs> um, so it was like it was a really good night. After that, we got invited to a lot of um, DVA think tanks and employment. And Maddie and I would sit in these like death by PowerPoint DVA presentations on how to get a job. And we were just like, and we don't want a job. This isn't, this isn't for us. You know, mm. like there is nothing here that in the transition space that is focusing on you know, self-employment and entrepreneurship. Um, actually, I'll take that back there. The only other thing that I see out there in the market is there's a really cool course um, by something called Princess Trust Australia. And they've got in one of their arms of Princess Trust, they run a, uh, a couple of little courses on is small business right for you? And I actually did that course whilst I was in the military. Um, so anyone out there that wants, you know, if you're thinking is business right for you, then jump onto Princess Trust Australia and, and, and have a look at those courses. Great there. resource, mate. Well done. Ordered. Excellent. So, but then Maddie and I like, um, you know, that what's, there's nothing out there for once you've got the idea of business. How do you grow strong businesses? And it was a mate of mine that you also know well, um, Sean Barry up in Brisbane, mm. who was doing quite a bit of stuff, you know, with the veteran business space up there. And he's like, dude, we should just start a business chamber or something like that. So um, Maddie and I moved forward and started the veteran community business chamber. And it's built on four pillars. So number one is community. Like when you get out of the military, so the biggest thing for me, just a slight segue, and, and hopefully this is, a, um, this is the biggest thing that I learned in transition. When we're in the military, our friends, they stay with us for life, but we drop them in a flash. And what I mean by that is if I go to, say, at 3RAR, some of the people I have the fondest feelings for in my life were those people that I shared those times with. But then I go to my next post and automatically I get my next group of mates. And then I go on a course and I get another group of mates. And then I go on deployment, I get another group of mates. And we're so blessed with this group of mates that we just keep adding on. Now, those people that I've left behind at 3RA, they're still my mates, but I've just moved on and I move on and I move on. But the difference when you transition is that your mates will just move on to their next posting, to their next job, to their next trip. It doesn't mean that they've lost you or left you behind, but in their space, they're just on to the next thing like we've always done. But when you transition, that's it. There is no next course, next unit, next spoon feed a group of mates at you so the community pillar and veteran community business chamber is important for us as a point of connection for people that are interested in this stuff to come and hang out 
Um, the C in Veteran Community Business Chamber stands for partners and spouses because they're equal for us in terms of we believe that the family unit is most important. It's not just about veterans. So pillar number one, community. Pillar number two, education. What's great with your military skills is operations, planning, HR, these kind of really uh, military 101 skills. What you're probably missing in business when you get across is articulating a sales process, understanding digital marketing, and pivotally cash flow and accounting. I was going to say finances would be a big one. So those sales and marketing, cash flow and accounting are the two things that I think we need to really infuse into the military business owner to take the amazing skills that they've got in the military and just round you off. Um, pillar number three is identification, and it's all about um, and certification. So right now we've got some of Australia's um, biggest companies wanting to put veteran community businesses into their supply chain. Um, heaps to announce on that in the next couple of weeks. Probably by the time this podcast is out, check out vcbc.org.au and see some of these companies that really are looking for your business to spend their money on. Awesome. So we've got a model there now about how we want to make so these companies can be confident they're getting veteran community businesses in their supply chain. Um, but also what we want to be able to do is have people identify and say, you know, I've got a conscious choice of where I shop. I want to hashtag buy a veteran. Last but not least, digital transformation. And every business needs a, you know, an effective digital footprint. It's not just about having a poster, which is your website, but a digital ecosystem that drives, you know, you know, productivity and leverage and also a scalability sense in your business. So without a good digital footprint from here to the next, into the future, you're already on the back step. So now we've got, a, you know, about two and a half thousand people in the community. It's free to join. You know, um, we're just about to launch an online education series that any veteran community member, you know, um, we're grateful to DVA that supported that. Um, we're kicking that off. Like I said, we've got some really blue chip Australian companies that have that have committed to VCBC and we're looking to be able to promote, promote what they're doing. Because one of the things I want to share here is that I personally am a bit tired of the... Um, the narrative of veterans being about PTSD, suicide, royal commissions, um, war crimes, defamation cases in Sydney. Um, what I see out of veteran business owners is that we are still the same people with, you know, with character, with integrity, of people who express those same military uh, traits, but we now deliver this in business. So I want people that identify as a veteran community business for others in our society to say, look, these people are good. Now, they're highly respected and appreciated in uniform. We need to transfer that over. Yeah. Now, on, on that note, we recognise that there are heaps of people out there that are doing it tough, you know, with physical inside and outside injuries. However, I believe that the veteran entrepreneurship community should be an example of you see it, you can be it. I want to give you an example of one of my classmates in Duntroon. So one of my best mates, a guy called Joel Kabides, who was a, um, a Filipino cadet, will playing basketball at Duntroon, uh, had a head clash with another mate mm, of mine. I remember this. C yeah, yep. C1 quadriplegic. And I, I was there when it happened. So mm. I, I literally thought he died on the floor. He suffocated on the floor. So my mate Joel now has been in a wheelchair with no movement from the neck down for 15 years. And he is able to start businesses. So despite his disabilities, 
despite his um, the challenges that he has in life, he's a business owner. He runs concerts. He runs a nursing agency. And he's able to run his business in his own place at his own pace. So this is one I, I just want to recognise people out there that may be doing it tough in their transition or taking the experience of their former life to the next life. But as business owners, we want to put more of a you see it, you can be an example out there so that people can uh, strive and make the next chapter better than the last. Mate, well said. I love that. It's, yeah, you're taking me back in time, bro. It's so good. I knew I was going to love talking to you. What some of your observations as far as veteran business owners and, you know, just people in that sort of senior management space, how they all treat each other and interact, like the mateship and the camaraderie and this, that the connection that we all have. As soon as I know someone's a veteran business owner, I'm like, bang, I'm straight over there when I want to talk to them. Mate, I, remember, I remember a couple of years ago, I was in a, uh, a pub in Katoomba and I randomly bumped into an American Marine in there. And the fact that he deployed to Afghanistan, totally different you know, battle spaces, experience, whatever. But the fact we have shared experience, I dropped my mates and then hung with him for an hour, just <laughs> smashed, a couple, smashed a couple of beers with him. Yeah. And anyone with this shared experience of the military, military experience, you know, when you meet a stranger, there's this uh, a baseline of trust, which is hard to quantify, but there's an instant, how can I put it? We might not be the best, but we're going to do our best in business. And if you get into a relationship with another um, veteran community business owner, I can almost guarantee you that they won't intentionally screw you over. Okay, you go into another business with somebody else, you can't guarantee that because I'm not saying that everyone out there is you know, you know, unscrupulous. But if, if you engage a fellow veteran business owner, I can almost guarantee it that they are not going to intentionally screw you over that maybe they might make mistakes like everybody does, but that commitment of shared experience and trust is amazingly powerful doing business with each other. Yeah, I love that as well, mate. It's um, the likelihood of anyone being screwed over by a veteran, if they're a business owner or in senior management or just a decision maker, or even if you're being served by someone, like I've got eight other veterans that work here at Axon. I don't talk to every single client on every single conversation, but I trust them to be able to do their role. I trust them to be able to deliver and communicate and look after the clients even when I'm not there without exception. So it's, it's, um, it doesn't surprise me. So you've been, you've been exposed to many, many more businesses than I, and it's just, it makes literally the hairs on my back of the neck stand up, mate, that there are so many veteran business owners out there doing the right thing, following their passion. They've got a purpose. They're delivering and they're caring for, for their clients, and they know that their clients know that they're not going to be screwed over. And when we talk about the, the word veteran is always a challenging word, um, because what's your what's your definition? I've got mine. I'd love to know yours. Yeah, um, mate, for me, because my purpose is to embrace as large a community possible. I stick with the DVA um, version, which is just one day. Um, so, but that's because I've got a, my reasons around that. It makes me. It gives me no benefit to exclude anyone from an audience. And wherever I put the line in the sand, it's going to be someone's going to be on the other side of the line. We, I'm a hundred percent. If you sign that dotted line and say to the government, I'll give you a check up to and including the value of my life. I don't give a yeah. fuck how many days after that you serve, you are entitled to be a veteran in my opinion. Because we all, all of us leave at some time or another. And, you know, I remember, you know, I was lucky enough to get two deployments really quickly, but then other mates 
who were way smarter and way better at the job with me just didn't happen. So it doesn't mean that I'm better or worse. Mm. But for example, I know there's a, you know, a landscaping yard in Katoomba, like he doesn't know this and he doesn't see himself as a veteran-owned business owner. There's a landscaping owner, yard, sorry, he owns a landscape yard in Katoomba, did probably a couple of years of Army Reserve stuff in the 80s. He's a veteran business owner for me. 100%. Like, I want to encompass these people. But, you know, the word veteran is just uh, one of those. And I'm not saying we want to go as far as the States where it's all like, thank you for your service at every single you know opportunity. That That's not us. But definitely I want to raise this profile that that the veterans in the community are the same people that were, were respected, appreciated, and that have character and integrity on the inside. And now they're just doing the same thing in business on the outside. Yeah, so good, mate. Um, Pete, let's wrap it up, mate. It's, it's clear to me. I'm going to go back and listen to this as soon as you post it, Daniel, by the way. Um, you know, you've got pillars of business, you've got structures in place, you've got, you're an inspiration to others, you're an award-winning business owner, you've got a great story. You know, there's no doubt about it, ladies and gents, that if you are a veteran, if you're a veteran business owner and you're not part of Pete's community, reach out to him, get him involved. You know, I'm, I'm sure you'd be happy to have an initial consult with a business owner as far as trust the process goes to find out if you could improve their processes, for instance. And this is not about me drumming up business for you, far from it, because I'm sure you're like me. You do that initial connection call, discovery session, whatever you want to call it, and find out whether you've got the right fit and you only move forward when you do have the right fit. It's so important. In terms of the size of our community out there, you know, chicken scratchings on an envelope. I reckon there's at least thirty to 50,000 businesses out there in our community. Um, you know, in America, one in every 17 veteran, uh, one in every 17 small businesses veteran owns and that they've got that data. So that's over two and a half million veteran businesses in the States. Extrapolating that number to Australia and using about 10% of that number of the extrapolation gives us around 30,000. So mm. for me, my next sort of challenge is to really unite that community to put them under a common umbrella so that you as a consumer can say, hey, I want to buy something. Is there a veteran business owner out there I can buy it from? Or alternatively, if you're a veteran business owner, we can get you in front of some of these blue chip companies in Australia who are actively looking for you right now because they want you in their supply chain. Yeah, they know that they can trust you. They know that you've got their back. You, they they know that you as a veteran are not going to do the wrong thing and you're always going to act with the highest levels of, of integrity. Mate, love this session. Thank you so much for coming to join us on Axons Unleashed, um, everyone. Pete Liston, you're a bloody great human. When I'm down in Sydney again next time, brother, we are definitely going to catch up. Here's cheers to you, mate. Thank you, mate. Anyone that needs so uh, vcbc.org.au, Pete Liston, connect with me. Oh, so Peter, Pete. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, um, Peter at vcbc.org.au. I'm happy to help. Fantastic. Thanks, Daniel, for organising this. See you, Pete. Have a great day, brother. Take care, mate.